You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, so we are so excited to have them here today. Basically what they're going to be talking about, I'll introduce them here in a second, but we're going to be talking about some of the life lessons that they had growing up, um, what that means for them now, and um, man, just what they're learning now. So it's, it's going to be really, really good, but I'll introduce them real quick. To my right, we have the youngest son, Pastor Dan DeBell. He is married. Yeah, we could give him a round of applause. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Did you start that yourself, you know, give yourself a round of applause? Yeah, let's encourage that. That's, that's good. Okay, yeah, perfect. All right, that's good. Um, he's married, and then he has one son, and then to his right, we have Officer Brad DeBell. Go ahead and give him a round of applause. That's good. Good wave, you know, smiling wave. He is an Oklahoma State trooper, and he's married. He also has two kids, correct? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I like your shirt. Go Oklahoma. Yeah, the, the old buffalo. It's, it's good. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, third, I was going to say last but not least, but I guess that's with Randy. So third, we have Ben DeBell. Go ahead and give it up for Ben. Ben is a businessman. He is married, and he has a kid on the way. Super exciting. Um, and then last but not least, we have the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, we have Randy DeBell. Give it up for Randy. Yeah. Uh, he has been married for 40 years. Is that correct? 40 years. Wow. That's incredible. Same woman. Oh, that's good. That's all right. <laughs> you got, <laughs> got one, one big strong applause. Um, and he has three sons, and you're looking at him. So uh, today is going to be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully you came prepared to learn and grow together. But we're, we're going to go ahead and get started with just an easy question for you, just to get, get a better understanding of some of the ways that you grew up. Um, the first question is this. If you could have one word to describe your childhood growing up, what would it be and why? I'll go first. Um, I would say this. I would say fun. Not that that was, uh, that anything was perfect by any means, and uh, there were seasons in our life as a family where, uh, as the old saying goes, we didn't have a pot to piss in, you know what I mean? Like, we didn't have much at the house, right? We didn't have all the bells and whistles, but we had each other, and uh, we had family, and uh, yeah, I think that's the, one of the things that was always instilled in us growing up was like, these are my best friends above any of my other friends that I had at school or in whatever, like we're friends first and if I need anyone to have my back, it's these guys. And so it was nice having uh, my best friends at the house. So I would say fun. Yeah. Um, I would say uh, imperfect. Um, I know a lot of you guys probably came here to <clears throat> get some words of wisdom, but don't think this is a, a deal where oh, we're going to have the Bell family here and you know, sit up here and brag about ourselves. Um, it, you know, it was work, um, you know, on our end and our parents' end. Um, uh, yeah, that's nah, about it. <laughs> yeah, I would say, I would say the same thing about, like, what Dan said, too. It was, it was fun, and, it, and it's weird how it can be fun and not, and not perfect at the same time, which is kind of a weird thing, because, like, I think for us, the key was that we were all 
being close to the same age was nice, and the fact that we, we had a lot of the same interests, whether it was golf, whether it was, you know, whatever it was, where we, no matter what, we could still have fun when, you know, it was like a crappy day or whatever it was. We all, we always just had each other to, to goof around with and stuff like that. So I think that was like just one of the keys to it as well is just, you know, we always just had a good time. Um, even though if it was a bad day at school or whatever it was, and then we got older, it was a job or whatever. It was just, we could always come home and home was like a safe place. And it was a place where we didn't really fight that much. And we, yeah, we had a good time and we had, you know, we had fun. So that was kind of key to it, I think. Yeah. That's awesome. Randy, what was childhood like I know for, for like me, for you? It, truly, that's the word I thought of. It was fun because I got to play. And I still like to play. I like to play with my grandkids. I like to get the trucks out in the dirt and throw a football. And, and I still love that. And, and to this day, you know, play, I think, was very important uh, in our family and in every family that you have to take time to play with your kids and uh, play with your grandkids. But I know for us, that time of play, it built a trusting relationship that man, we talked, we laughed, we would dig each other, we would almost torment each other at times, make each other mad, but we'd come right back for another round, come back for more, and, uh, but it just, uh, I don't know, we truly got to know each other very well through play, and as these men got older, and teenagers, and, and as young men, the relationship was strong enough, and we had communicated through all those years that, hey, I can go to dad. I can go to mom. And, you know, and it wasn't always, like I said, it wasn't always dad that they came to. You know, yeah, you think, oh, yeah, my sons ran to me with every problem in their life. No. Some of them had a closer relationship, really, with mom and could talk to mom when they felt like they couldn't talk to me. But we had a lot of fun. We played a lot of games. We invented a lot of games. Always wrestling. Always football. Uh, we destroyed couches and chairs, and and uh, but we had a lot of fun, had a good time. That's awesome. Now, what what is the you, you talk about being your best friends, and um, what's the age difference between you guys? So basically, two years uh, in between each of us. So four years between me and Ben. So yeah, pretty pretty close. And going off of what my dad said, I think so much we. Uh, as men, so I have a seven-year-old, he's going to be seven here this month, a seven-year-old son, it's amazing how that's, that's quality time with him is just play, you know, there's, and it's, and what I love is like, it, for me, that's so easy, like, I, I want to play, I want to go play, like, a few nights ago, he's like, let's play lightsabers on the trampoline, like, let's go, man, <laughs> like, I'm all about that, but it just creates, it's that time of relationship, I think so many times, if we're not careful, especially as men, you come home from a day at work and you're exhausted, you're mentally exhausted, you're physically exhausted, and if we're not careful, I'll just sit on the couch, turn on TV, turn on something, and meanwhile, my kids, I haven't had time with for them, and they just want to play, like, they just want to, they want to have fun, but for me, I, I found that that was the, that's been the best time for me to unwind, like, that's part of my Sabbath and my time, my downtime is Let's go play and have some fun uh, rather than just vegging out on the couch or anything like that. So, but I learned that I think a lot of from, from growing up uh, and <laughs> kind of going off because we didn't have a lot in many seasons of our life, but we had each other. And so um, we didn't need a television show or, or anything like that. We could go outside and, and play and have fun. 
That's awesome. Um, speaking more to the, even it being fun and imperfect, um, what did it look like for your home life? Was it a happy place, like especially during elementary, teenage years? Um, what was that? Was it was there chaos? Uh, I mean, obviously with three boys, I feel like there was probably a lot of uh, punching and slugging. Um, but what did that look like for you all, your home life? Yeah, I would say, I mean, it, I don't know, chaos is a weird word. But it, yeah, I think it was, like I said, when you, like what Brad said, it's not perfect by any means. But it, I think that home was, like I said, it, it was kind of always just that safe, like, place. No matter what happened outside, you knew that, like, you weren't going to be judged or, I mean, there was correction. Like, if something was, like, you messed up at school or you did something you weren't supposed to do, um, that was addressed. But, but home was, but then at the end of it, it was like, we're cool. And, like, you wanted, like when you were corrected, it was like, I'm doing this because I love you, not because you're an idiot, and I don't like, you know what I mean? It was just like, I mean, maybe you were, but it was, <laughs> but it, it, at the time, it was just like, it was always, like, you knew that, like, when I went home, like, I didn't, I never dreaded going home. Um, like, I knew that, you know, I could, it was going to be okay, and I, I don't know, this is a place to recharge, and, and like I said, I think that's just the atmosphere of, like, there was, you know, discipline. It wasn't just this free-for-all, you know, do what you want you know, go to bed when you want, say what you want, kind of a thing. There was structure to it, but that structure, I think, provided the safety. And it's a weird thing, because you think you don't want those things, but at the end of the day, when I was thinking about it, I was like, yeah, it, it really helped me. I don't know. I, I don't know why. It just, like I said, it was just, a, it created that safety that, that, like, I knew that they would understand me. And like I said, we could, you know, it was a bad day, but I could forget it quick, whether when we were young playing, you know, Mario Kart, <laughs> for hours after school or when we got older playing you know football in the backyard it was just you know a safe place and uh, yeah um i would say it was kind of like a controlled chaos um like i said it's you know, it always a safe place you come home but even even to today um i don't know how many people are, are like first responders firemen police officers emts whatever um some of the stuff that you see and you go through is you know it's pretty heavy, um, and it's something that you don't want to go home and obviously go you know, unload on your wife, um, stuff you see and go through. And so whenever something like that, you know, of course I call my partners and talk to them about it, but even now I have that relationship with my brothers where I can call them and be like, hey, man, this is, this is what happened today. Um, you don't have to say anything. Just, just listen. And, you know, it was, it was that way growing up um, also. The communication between our, you know, like I said, we're, you know, we're best friends, and the communication between us was, you know, always great. And even with um, mom and dad, um, I think we'll get into it later about um, or our kind of our monthly meetings or whatever. But uh, we always felt like, you know, you could go to them and it was no issue. Whether it was girls, school, whatever, um, just the, the line of communication was always open for us. Wow, that's awesome. And you talked about it being more so a safe place. Both of you guys mentioned that. Randy, what, what kind of did you do to help create that atmosphere for your kids? Well, I grew up with a dad that was a workaholic. He was a good man. He loved the Lord. Uh, I knew he loved me. I had three older sisters, but my dad just flat worked all the time. Uh, I, it's he always had two jobs, and uh, he was one of those guys that he never said, I love you. I never got a hug. We never played. 
We never went out the yard. We never wrestled. We, it was never. That just never happened. And I remember as a little boy thinking, someday when I'm a big grown-up man and I have kids of my own, I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to hug them. Uh, to this day, when we see each other, we hug. We say, I love you. Uh, I'm going to play with them, and I'm going to make our home a safe place. And, and for us, I know for me and Helen, you know, my wife, it was, you know, we, we want them at that home. We want them to bring their friends at our home. And you talk about controlled chaos sometimes with the friends and the sleepovers, the birthday parties. And, I mean, sometimes there was 20 and 25 kids in our itty-bitty house. And you know what? We loved it. We miss those days, those birthday parties, and those times. Steve Main Prize, he's sitting over there, and he, he was in on some of that stuff and spent nights at our place. And, and, uh, but it was just, it was controlled chaos. And, and just, but it was still, we want them here. And we want them to know that they're loved, and we will protect you. And yet I'm also going to hold you accountable, and uh, you're not going to get away with a whole lot around me and around mom. Yeah, I would add to that and say many times we think, and being a, a young parent myself, we, we um, I'll say like this, expectation creates safety. It creates the home feeling. So many people, they don't want to be the parent and boss their kids around or put these structures in place because they don't want to drive their kids away. When in reality, when I say, hey, these are the rules and I'm going to hold you accountable to it, expectation creates safety. It's what keeps our world in order, right? It's why we have laws in place. And it's the same way at home. I was talking with a, uh, an old friend this past, this past week. He asked me out for, for lunch, <clears throat> and I haven't seen him in a decade. And he grew up in a home Everything was handed to him. Everything was easy. No money issues. Like anything he ever wanted, he said, he told me, he said, I didn't need God for anything because I had my mom. My mom gave me everything I ever wanted. But he's been, he said, basically he has been high on every drug and any drug for 10 years. And he's just clean right now. So praise God for that. He's coming to Jesus, which is amazing. But he's like, I didn't need God because I had my mom. And he said, I loved, I always loved going to your house. But why? Because we had all the stuff? No, but we had structure, and it created safety. People, all of our friends, like, they wanted to come over because what even, yeah, it was controlled chaos, but it was, it was safe. And many times that's what, growing up, that's what a lot of kids want, safe. But that's what created the, the structure for making it feel at home. I can be at peace here because I know we have some order in place, and because of that, um, it's a safe place, you know? That's good. Um, now, I'm curious about this. You talked about not only being a safe place, Randy, you talked about keeping kids accountable. So what did tough conversations look like in your house? Were you guys, I, I think I might know the answer to this, but were you guys allowed to talk back, uh, be disrespectful? Um, if not, you have any good stories about Randy, some dirt? That's the real reason we did this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think... I'll kind of spin it as a, you know, kind of like discipline deal. Um, I think I was always the one that was kind of pushing the envelope. And it seemed like every month um, we would have like this monthly meeting. And because like whenever it kind of went down like this, so we'd always sit down for dinner, always ate uh, dinner as a family. So we're sitting down, getting ready to eat. And then dad would always, you know, say the famous uh, last words of, hey, when we get done, I'm going to talk to you guys about something. And so I was like, oh, no. no. 
And so I'm sitting there the whole time. I'm just eating. I'm just like, man, what, what have I done? And what excuse can I come up with to justify it? And, uh, but looking back, you know, those monthly meetings in general, sometimes, I'm not, I really don't remember you guys ever having like weekly meetings, like in between the monthly meetings, but it seemed like I would always have like a weekly meeting with mom and dad. Like I said, yeah, sometimes mom would be there and it'd be really awkward when you're talking about girls and stuff and, you know, keeping your hands to yourself and all that stuff. It's like, why is mom here for this? No. But, uh, and so we don't tell these monthly meetings, you know, you know, if it was about girls, it was about um, spiritual whatever. Um, and a lot of people, um, you know, ask me or talk to me about, you know, you know how, so how was growing up with, with your dad? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know if anybody in this room has ever worked for my dad or worked with him. And it's, it's pretty intense. I mean, he, he demands perfection. And if you're anything less than that, I mean, it's, it's going to be a rough day for you. But... Um, <laughs> And so growing up, it's like, you know, it's, I don't know if some people are like, man, you're just, you know, are you afraid of your dad? It's like, no, I'm not afraid of my dad. It's like, yeah, he was hard on us. Um, I'm more afraid of my mom than my dad. Because um, a lot of people, you know, look at our family, you know, they, and they know us. And like, man, you know, I bet Randy was you know, pretty tough. He was, but you don't know my mom that, that well. Um, and so I don't know where I'm going with this, but... Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, the monthly meetings, I would say, we talk about everything. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's kind of hard conversations, especially when we're talking about, about girls and stuff. And, but uh, that's what you have to do um, if you love your kids is to have those hard conversations, those awkward uh, conversations. And, to, you know, okay, you're, you're straying off this one. You need to come back over here and uh, get back on track. So, One thing we never did was run away from sin. When there was sin in our home, we addressed it. And I know parents, I know men that with their teenage kids, their their kids are in sin, in garbage, in junk, going down the wrong path. But they say, I'm I'm not even going to bring it up. We're not going to talk about it. Because if I do, I'm going to push them away from God. That is a lie from the enemy. And you're doing your family no favors by not addressing sin. You're the man, you're the head, you're the leader. Address sin. Uh, don't let it go. And, and like I said, we talk about everything from language to girls to I always told them, I said, you know, you say you love this little gal. Well, if you love her, keep your big old greasy paws off of her. <laughs> you don't need to be touching her, you know? And, and I'd ask those questions, but it was just, you know, uh, be smart, be wise, you know? But... I know as far as the, the, the sin in our meetings, they used to mock me and make fun of me. Oh, here we go. Hey, Dad. Dad's got a, one of his meetings coming up. But, but we would always address it instead of running away from it. Instead of something becoming a festering, horrible, big, giant boil that someday we had to lance and could, you know, destroy our family. Uh, no. Wait. There's a little spark right here right now. Let's get rid of it. I know they had a friend along the way that became a wolf in our family. His language, not so great. And, and, and I saw them start picking up his language. Everything was, and you're going to think some of this is just, Randy, that's ridiculous. But it's not. But his language, everything. I, all of a sudden, these guys just started saying, everything was, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, this. Oh, my God, that. I said, 
hey, fellas, that friend just happened to be over for supper that night. Well, you know what? We're going to have one of our famous little meetings. Uh, your buddy's here eating my food that I worked for, and we're going to meet about this. And I said, you know what? When you say, oh, my God, like that, you're using the Lord's name in vain. Boy, it's quiet when you start talking about nitty-gritty stuff, isn't it? That's the Lord's name in vain. You're not giving him glory. You're not giving him honor. You are not calling upon his name. It's become a cuss word. That's what we talked about that night. And I said, I don't want to hear it ever again. I don't want to hear it in our home. And this friend became a wolf to the point of anybody was welcome into our home for a season, for a time. We had kids live with us. But the second you became a wolf, you're gone. I protect my sheep. I protect my lambs. That's my sons. That's my wife first. I didn't marry them. I married my wife. I protect her first. And then, and that's just, uh, you know, something that we always did. We addressed sin instead of running. Got it out in the open and talked about it and prayed about it, solved it, and went on. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing, too, is leaning into it, because that's the thing, right? You have, you've, we've all been in this, those conversations. Like, it's not fun. It's, it can be, depending on the, the content, very awkward, and then who's in this conversation, right? But leaning into it, there's freedom and light. That's what Jesus said. I'm the light of the world. Like, I am the, the light of life. Shine a light on it so that there can be freedom. But I would say this, even after those monthly meetings, uh, one thing that was a blessing in having a small house is that we, there was never isolation. So whenever we faced correction, <clears throat> you weren't going to go to your room and close the door and just be gone for the rest of the night away from the family. No, you can be a man about it, receive your correction, and you can, if you need to go to your room, cool, but you're going to leave the door open, and you can stay out here, and we're going to move on in forgiveness as a family. I think that's where many times, uh, as it can be easy as parents, or even just in the natural, right? Like, well, yeah, if I just got, I just got corrected, I want to go hide for a little bit and, and until I can regain my uh, confidence, right, or whatever, until I can put my, regain my composure. But after correction, it's like, no, we can be men about it. We're going to stay out here. We're not going to go hide and uh, disappear for the rest of the night. Like, that's just not an option. But I think that was healthy. I just know from my experience, I've had to be corrected at, at different jobs, it was healthy because I knew how to hold, how do I handle myself at a professional workplace whenever I do get corrected or I have to, whatever. I learned that from at home, which I, I'm going to use for my kids as well. So, Yeah, that's really good. And we, we have a lot of different questions. You've hit a lot about um, even discipline and, and not only tough conversations, even talking about girls and stuff like that. But with the, uh, Randy, with the example that you said, and I'd be curious to get your guys' example, uh, life experiences, when did your talk with God actually become your own? Yeah, that's a, I was actually thinking about that the other day, and it's one of those, it's weird, because like, I was like, you think like when you grow up in a home where it's like, you know, you go to church every week, and, and it's like, that's what you do, because so we never miss, even like when we were like kids, it was a Wednesday night, it was the weekends, like you didn't miss it, there was like no excuse, whether it was like a birthday thing, or no matter, I mean, there was no you know, family in town, like, you went to church. But then I remember, though, when I first moved out of the house, and especially when I moved um, out of state, 
uh, I remember like being alone and being like, man, I don't know. Cause like when you're around parents, like especially like our mom, it's very encouraging and will always like give you like scripture and just like when she can just tell like, like a lot of us, like when we were going through, if it was a tough day, like, I mean, we weren't the type that really talked to our mom about it, but she can tell. Like, she, this is the way you walk, the way you're, I mean, she can just tell you're different. And, but she'd always be the encourager giving you scriptures and being like, and then so you almost kind of build off that in a way. And then when I was out on my own and things were, was bad, and I didn't have that encouragement. I had, I was like, man, I kind of, I was like, man, I don't know how strong I really am in this. And I, that's when I really had to start for my, because I, I think a lot of it was maybe I was taking from my parents' relationship with God and almost assuming that, it, that I was at that same level, whereas as in any relationship, it takes work. And that's when, for me, I had to start, you know, reading my Bible daily and, and then making the decision to actually go to church on my own, not someone making me go. And I think it was when I started making those decisions on my own was when I really started having it like that relationship with God, because that's when I realized I needed him, and I wasn't, I didn't have somebody to pull from, whether I realized it or not, like I was just around such a good, I guess, Christian atmosphere for so long, that it wasn't until I was thrown in my own, being like, oh wow, I'm not as, you know, I'm not as spiritual as I thought, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean, and I just had to help, I don't know, just, I just kind of realized it quick, that, yeah, yeah, one thing I'll add to that, uh, I was gonna say pretty much the exact same thing, but yeah, because like you grow up, like so you're always in church, um, always involved in church volunteering or whatever, and you're just like, yeah, I got, I got a pretty strong relationship with the Lord until, like I said, you move out on your own, go get married, and um, you're just like, you know, I haven't been to church in you know, a month and a half. I haven't read my Bible in probably longer than that. And so for me, it was probably you know, in my 20s when I realized that uh, you know, maybe I'm not you know, the Christian that I'm maybe portraying to be. Um, I'm doing stuff I probably shouldn't be doing right now. And so that, you know, that realization comes there when you kind of leave the nest or whatever from your parents of pushing you going to church. Like, you know what's right. You know, you know kind of the old saying, no right, do right. But uh, he's like, I know how to, how to do this. You know, I grew up my whole life, you know, praying, reading my Bible and, you know, raising my hands during praise and worship. But then whenever you don't have that person looking over your shoulder or pushing you in that direction, that's when it kind of, you kind of get, I don't know, relaxed or whatever and kind of let it, fade away, and then, you know, something, you know, that you, for me, I'm just going to be honest, you know, it's something you need to work on every day, um, and my, in my Bible, you know, I know dad, he's always up, like, two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> posting stuff. It's uh, true, it's I don't like, know if you've seen like, it, it's like 1, 15 a.m. Yeah, it's, it's no joke, it's like, wow. <laughs> Get out of bed. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry for, for being close to Jesus, all right? <laughs> I, I respect it. It's like, man, I, I, you know, I'm not going to be up at two o'clock reading my Bible, and, uh, you know, it's just something that, um, I don't know, that you kind of realize, and you just kind of wake up one day, you know, it's like, you know, I've been in church all my life, and, but now that I'm out on my own, I'm not doing that stuff. And it's like, I, I know how to do this, you know, um, and you just kind of let it fade away. It's something you just need to work. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but um, I guess when I realized, uh, you know, my walk with the Lord, I guess, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, I don't want to betray, I'm going to go ahead and say it again, that, you know, we're up here, oh, the Bell family, they're so perfect, they're so great, um, we don't have any issues, never gone through everything, that, I mean, that's false, if you're here thinking that, you're, you're wrong, um, if, you, if you're out here in the crowd or li- listening to this online or on the podcast, whatever, um, but what I want for my goal for the day, it's for, it's just one of, one of you guys to, to get just one thing, 
even if it's one of our flaws, um, something, and take that home and apply it to your family, apply it to your kids, and, and better yourself and better your family. Um, you know, like I said, the old saying, you know, experience is the best teacher. You know, it doesn't have to be your experience. It can be one of our experiences, one of our bad experiences. But, to, you know, just I just hope one person takes one thing, and no matter what it is, and betters their family. That's, that's the reason I'm up here. I did, if this was going to be a big, you know, DeBell brag fest, I, I wouldn't be here. Uh, I want no part of that. Um, I would have said, no, you know, go find somebody else. Go find a fill-in or something. <laughs> um, but uh, just, just know, you know, ho hopefully... This is coming across, you know, we're not the perfect family. We have messed up, you know, obviously we're human. But uh, just know, being a parent, like I said, I got, I got a three-year-old baby girl and a, like a four-and-a-half-month-old boy. And, you know, I'm not the perfect parent, even to, to the little baby. Um, sometimes, you know, he, you know, he can't really do much, but he's just holding them. It's like, Lord, help me, you know, guide this kid in, in the way he should go. And like with correction, um, with my three-year-old, sometimes you just get so frustrated. You tell him to do something, you're just like, you know what? If I was three years old, uh, this is what my dad would have done. And you know, she's, she's a three-year-old baby girl. Yeah. And so it's like, even if you like, you raise your voice at her, she just gets just crushed, and you're just like, oh, what have I done? But um, but anyways, I, I don't know why, I kind of go off on the trail there. But like I said my goal: just one person get one thing to better yourself and better your family out of this. Uh, to to, to kind of go off of that, I think for me, in my when my relationship with God become my own, as I was gra graduating high school, um, I was coming out of a bad relationship with a girl, and I was just like, you know what, I'm out for. I'm just gonna just gonna have fun my senior year of high school. And as I got into college, is when I started getting called to ministry, full time ministry. And in doing so. Um, I was super busy. I just got married, still in college, like a ton of going on, got into ministry full-time and kids' ministry. And um, there was a season in my life when I had the realization, uh, like like I think both of you guys said, where it was like, I have no personal walk with God. Like, the only time I'm praying is if I'm praying on stage. <laughs> the only time I'm reading my Bible is to prepare to teach. And it was this scary realization that whenever crisis came, the only reason I knew scripture is because I knew my pastor's Bible better than I knew my own. And that's the, the breaking point for me. Like, I couldn't show you where those scriptures were in my Bible. I had just heard a sermon about it for years in my church. And that's when I knew I need to get some, I need to get some stuff figured out. Uh, and it was right about that time. Obviously, it was mar I was, you know, married, and uh, we were getting ready to have Gavin, and it was just like, I, got, I better get my crap figured out, <laughs> at least at least get some momentum, not figured out, but get some momentum so that I can keep this momentum uh, as life continues to get more and more busy. And so uh, for me, I think it was a phase thing. It wasn't just like, oh, I figured it out one day. It's like Brad said, it's a daily, it's a daily decision to crucify my flesh, get up, and spend time with God. Uh, and if I don't fight to keep it my own, I'll lose it, and I'll go right back to where I was, casual, static Christian, which is a uh, dangerous, dangerous place to be. I'll just say this, too. I think it's important, though, that, like, looking back on it, because, like, you always, it's kind of weird, though, like, as you grow up in a Christian home, but then you have this, like, struggle of, like, you, you know, you go through this season of, like, trying to find it again, which is, like, how, how did, it not, did it not stick? And I, but I think it, it does, because it's, like, coming out of a Christian home, when you go through it and you have those realizations that, oh man, I'm, 
I need to change some things, you know where to go. Like, you know how to fix it. Like, because you know, if I go back to church and if I do these things that I was taught when I was a kid, but like, when you don't have that, I can only imagine that, because I have friends that like, that when things go wrong, like wrong, they make it worse. Instead of like running, you know, to God, it's, it's, it's from God, whether it's like, hey, well, you know, I had a bad day, so I'm going to the bar, which that hardly works out um, in, in a way. And so it's like, so I think that that's the point, though. It's like, even though like you, after years of doing something in your whole life, it, it just trains you of like, I know where to run to when things do go sideways on me rather than, you know, somewhere else or someone else. I think that's uh, uh, one thing I, I, was, I think it was Ben when you were talking earlier. When you're growing up in a Christian home, your parents are your accountability, right? They're looking over your shoulder, you know. We'd be in church and we're, sta- <laughs> we're standing there. And uh, during praise and worship, you know what I mean? I could, I could be standing there not raising my hands. I could just see one of my parents just slow lean forward <laughs> and look down at me like, what are you doing, huh? Get those hands up. All right, yeah, 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 let's do this, you know. And, uh, but there's some, you know healthy accountability, right? Like, okay, yeah, it's training, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. But once you get out of the house, when that's gone, the thing is, you still need to find those friends. You still have to surround yourself with people that will hold you accountable just like your parents did. That's the, that's the thing I think many people miss it. That's why I got to go, I got to go back to what I was taught. Part of that is surrounding myself with the right people. Whoever my closest friends are is who I am going to be in a year or two years. Like that, th- that's my future. And so, uh, in those moments when my faith became my own, is whenever I had to take a step back and be like, I love this guy, but I can't let him be in my inner circle. Like he can't, he can't, we can't have this relationship because he is not pointing me to Jesus. If anything, he's tempting me to go the other way. And he goes to church. Uh, that's the other issue. He goes to church, but he's actually pushing me away from Jesus. I had to analyze who's, a, who's the real deal in my life and who's going to hold me accountable when I'm in church and I'm checked out. Who's going to be the guy that may not give me the same look my parents did, but they'd be like, hey, what's going on? You weren't engaged in worship. You weren't taking notes. You weren't following along. Like, you, you good? I need someone that will hold me to that, that same standard in a little bit of a different way, but the accountability is the exact same. Man, that's so good. Thank you guys for, for sharing. Um, the, the last question as we wrap up here is, uh, especially being a pastor and then a highway patrolman and a businessman, uh, this last year um, was probably crazy for all y'all. I know it was crazy for everybody here, but um, how did you guys keep your sanity, um, for lack of a better word, uh, especially um, in this last year and even moving forward, what that looks like in your life? I'll just say, I, I kind of had this, I adopted this mentality, uh, I'm, I mean, a lot of people have used this, but I just, this mentality of just do it afraid, you know, and it's just kind of like, I realized that, like, I can plan and do things so much, and it's like, I can, like, plan out a whole year, or plan out, like, a project, and it's like, I started realizing that it rarely goes to that plan, and you just had to be cool with, like, things not, you know, not going to my plan, but I just had to realize that God's God had a plan, but a lot of times I try to put my plan and be like, hey, God, here's the plan. And I, I had to realize quick that that doesn't really work out most of the time. It's, it's the trust factor where it's like God, like, has never let me down. He's may, like, he's may not answer, he's answered my prayers, but maybe not the way I thought he would. Or it's like this business deal or this project was supposed to end this way and it went south, but I still came out okay. I'm not dead. Like, the worst thing that that could happen didn't happen and we made it 
And so for me, it's just been this mentality of like, you know, if you're afraid, still do it. And I think it's just, uh, it's one of those things like, I just know that God hasn't let me down. He won't let me down. He may not do it the way I think he should do it, but I just have to trust that he has my best interest and he knows more than I do. And for me, it's just been a uh, trust thing and you know, just doing stuff afraid. Um, I think for, for me, I know this is like a men's group and men's meeting or whatever, and we're supposed to be strutting around here and you know, see how, how tough we are. But, um, you know, when you're, whenever you're going through something, go and talk to somebody that you trust. Um, even if, like I was saying earlier, even if they don't say anything back, just open up to somebody. Find somebody who you, you truly trust and, and go talk to them with issues, no matter what it is. Um, if it's spiritual, you know, your, your impurities, um, just something, you know, on your day-to-day um, you know, basis, kind of, you know, whatever you run into, find somebody who you trust and you can run to. Um, and, and like I said, it doesn't, like for me, for my line of work, you know, of course, I know I'm going to run to my wife for, for most things, but if I run into heavy stuff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to one of my brothers, my dad, one of my partners that I work with and kind of unload on them. And, uh, but like I said, I, what was the question? Keeping your sanity. Um, just, you know, there's so much crap out there that can just really mess up your walk with the Lord and your marriage and your relationship with your kids. Um, you know, don't, don't let it. And it, it's so easy to, come, you know, sit up here and say that. But, um, I don't know, just, I mean, you know, it's tough. Like I said, other than this old saying, just no right, do right. It's like most of the people in here probably know, know right. And the do right, that's, that's the hard part. And uh, I don't know, just find somebody who you trust. I don't know. <laughs> I keep running off all these trails. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, uh, you know, find somebody who you trust and you love. And so when that hard time comes, even if it's not your wife, whoever, um, go to them and talk to them. I know, you know, guys don't like to do that. It's like, well, I'm going to keep it bottled up and, you know, push it down. Because everybody always comes to me and asks me, oh, what's the craziest thing that you've seen? It's like, well, my crazy is going to probably be a little bit more different than what, what your crazy is. And uh, so, like I said, find somebody who understands you and, uh, you know, and use them as, as a, a kind of like, I won't say a crutch, but, you know, a crutch. And uh, whenever you need help, know that you can go to them and, you know, vice versa. I think uh, for me, there's a couple things. Obviously, it's what we've already talked about, having that daily time with God. Uh, Psalm 23, speaking of the good shepherd, he restores my soul. That's a daily thing. Anytime I need restoration, and usually it's daily, I need refreshment. It's only one, there's only one uh, living water to go to that's going to refresh me. Uh, outside of that, more practically, is a Sabbath. You need to have a Sabbath. Um, there's going to be busy seasons, yes, but if you're not taking time off, uh, your health is going to suffer. <laughs> I know for me, I don't, I don't get sick. If I ever do, um, it's because I'm pushing myself. I'm not taking a Sabbath. I'm not being aware of my own emotional, physical health, and because of that, my body will finally say, we've had enough. Um, and at that point, it's usually, it knocks me out for a few weeks because my body will say, we're going to force you to shut down. But for a practical side of it is a Sabbath. I know for me that's Mondays because I, I work the weekend, obviously, being a, in ministry. And uh, so on Mondays, me and Leslie go out for breakfast on Monday mornings. Like, it's her day. Whatever she wants, you pick the breakfast place. And then after that, whatever you want. Like, if you want to go 
to Target for five hours, great. Adam may not want to, but if you want to, that's great. Um, but it's, it's if, if you don't fight for a Sabbath, it will, life will eat your lunch. And so you got to fight for rest. And so for me, that's, that's, that's what's kept my sanity, I guess. Man, what you see here is a picture of God's grace. Because through all my flaws, there was a time, the teenage years, where I turned my back on God for about five years. I never cheated on, their wife, on, on my wife, on their mother, but I did cheat on God. And there was a time, about five years in their lives, where they needed me. They needed a godly man, a godly example, and I wasn't it. And it's shameful and embarrassing to admit that. But you're looking at God's grace, God's restoration, that through all my flawed parenting, we have a relationship. We love each other. We talk. We laugh. I can't tell you how many times growing up that I had to go and sit on the corner or edge of their bed at night and say, will you please forgive me? Will you please forgive me? I disciplined out of anger. I was mad when I disciplined you. Or I didn't hear both sides of the story. I heard one side, and my side's always right. And now you're going to pay for it. And, you know, and Brad, you know, talking about how hard, you know, I can be. Please tell me that with age and a closer walk to the Lord, I have become better. Because I know for years people were afraid of me because of the way I was. And the Lord has shown me many, many things I still need to change and many, many things I need to do different. But, man, you're building a legacy. We sure are not perfect. But you are building a legacy. It doesn't matter if you're single, newly married, newly weds, got 12 kids, got no kids, a grandpa and a grandma, you're still building a legacy. And that legacy is either pointing to Jesus Christ or it's pointing the opposite direction. That's the weight we carry as men. That's why God gave us broad shoulders. Can carry it with his help. And many times we can't carry it. We just have to say, I surrender. Mm -hmm. I give up. I can't carry this. He gives us the strength. He gives us the wisdom. But I love these men. I admire them. I want to be like them. When we get together as a family, there's no fights. Oh, yeah, they still wrestle. They still play. They're still out in the yard, all of us. But there's no fights. Their wives all get along. There's peace, and that's rare. That's rare in Christian homes when a family can get together and somebody doesn't hate somebody else in the family. That's God's grace and God's restoration, and I am thankful for it. Yeah, I think just a, one last thing I'll say. I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I could talk all day if I wanted to. Uh, it's, a, it's God's grace, and woe to us if we ever think that we've arrived. I got it all figured out. No. 
Like, we don't have it all figured out. <laughs> we got a lot of, we got a lot of cr crap we got to figure out. But it's by the grace of God that we can grow, and only by His grace that we are even here today. Except for His grace, we would, man, except for His grace, I would be right with that friend that I talked to just a few days ago. Hi, nonstop, high on drugs for 10 years, his whole 20s, high, except for the grace of God. So I say that to say this, no matter where you're at today, Jesus is the answer. <laughs> Whether you think you screwed your kids up, and, or maybe you don't know what you're doing right now, or maybe you think, what if I screw my future kids up, or I, whatever. Jesus is the only answer to bring you peace and to give you the joy of life. That's, I think, in anything, have fun. We're going to mess it up. We have grace of, the grace of Jesus, but the joy is from him as well. Only go to him. That, that's, that's the last thing I'll say. Man, that's so good. And I just want to say in front of everybody, but thank you guys for being so vulnerable. And um, I know for all of us, uh, it is the grace of God. And that's, that's what we're here about, uh, man up. It's not that we come in here and we're perfect, because none of us are. <laughs> I'll raise both hands for that. I know I'm not perfect, but um, we... God's so good, and we get to grow together, and I just thank you for your vulnerability, um, your um, just telling us your life story, so uh, we love you guys. Let's give it up for all these guys. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.